What do you want from me? Have you ever thought that from God? What do you want from me, God? You know, sometimes it's when we're going through a, a difficult season and you think, what do you, you know, what do you want? And um, the, the video showed uh, Micah 6.8, which is going to kind of be our anchoring scripture this whole series. We'll turn there in a little bit. But, you know, there seems to be a, a lot of time, if you, especially if you've grown up in church or you've, you've been a church person for a long time. You know, you get saved. You love the Lord. It's all about you and Jesus. And then the pressure comes, the pressure to perform. The pressure to be perfect. For, for, for a lot of people, they get saved, especially young men get saved, and they're like, well, I guess I am going into the ministry now. And so they print up their business cards, and, and uh, they call themselves apostle, because why not? Everyone else is. And, 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 and they, they, they start, you know, this is what God wants from me. There's so much pressure. So much pressure. And I just, with this series, I want to just relieve that pressure. And I want to just take a huge step back, gain some perspective, and, and, and remind you of what God really wants from you. You know, a lot of, at a lot of churches, and we try not to do this, at a lot of churches, all of the discipleship programs are based around how to turn someone into a pulpit preacher. And that's not our goal. You may be called to that, but most people are not. When you read the Bible and you see Paul and Timothy and and Apollos and and Barnabas and Silas and all these names, you need to realize that's a handful of people out of thousands upon thousands of believers that didn't make it in the Bible. Doesn't mean that they're not valuable. Doesn't mean that they're not important. One person that's funny to me, that's interesting, he is mentioned... But it's Simon the Tanner. Simon's a guy, he tans leather, okay? And, and back then, for a Jew, um, it was, that's, that's not okay to be near the blood. And, and, be, and it was also really smelly to do that. And so there were actually laws that tanners had to be so many uh, feet from the city square so people couldn't smell it. Well, Simon the Tanner, if you've heard of him, the reason you've heard of him is because in Acts chapter 9, when, when Paul is in Joppa, which is where he raised a girl from the dead, he's actually living with Simon. He's staying at Simon's house. And here's a guy, all we know about him is that he worked a job. We don't know that he got anyone saved. We don't know that he didn't go to Bible class, didn't have a degree, right? But what did he do? He opened up his home. He lived his life. He loved his family. He just lived a regular guy working a regular job, loving the Lord with all of his heart, mind, and soul. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, there's everything right about that. And so instead of trying to, and and look, you have a ministry. You, You have something that God has called you to do. For the majority of us, though, it's going to be in addition to just loving our family, just showing integrity at work, just working a regular job, being right in the middle of God's will, honoring God, loving our family, living a peaceful life. And so we're going to take a step back and we're going to talk about what does God want from you. So we're going to look at Micah chapter 6. Now, Micah is one of the minor prophets in the Bible, it's not minor because he wasn't important. It's minor because his book is small, okay? Um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they're called the major prophets. Uh, that's because their books were bigger. They had more to say, okay? 
Um, but we're going to read Micah 6, 6 through 8. And, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna key in on 8, and we're going to camp out there the rest of the series. But I'm going to read 6 and 7, honestly, because I think it's funny. So uh, Micah 6, verses 6 through 8. Uh, the Lord has just finished speaking directly through Micah. It's in quotes. It's God talking. And so Micah then follows that up, and he says this. What can we bring to the Lord? I mean, really, what do you have to offer God? Think about it. What do you have that he doesn't? Should we bring him burnt offerings? Well, that's what the law prescribed. The law said, hey, you need to bring God burnt offerings, okay, to atone for your sin. But the understanding here is that's not really what he wants. Should we bow before God most high with the offerings of yearling calves? Yearling calves are like perfect, spotless newborns, okay, like the best possible sacrifice. Should we offer him thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Are you picking up on the sarcasm here? Yeah, it's pretty funny. He's like, you know, 10,000 rivers of olive oil. Is that that what God really wants? Does he really want this? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Now he's getting silly, right? Is that what God wants? Does he want, do you want to, does God want you to chop off your arm to show him your devotion? Of course not. Verse 8, no, O people, the Lord has told you what is good. And this is what he requires of you. And here it is, it's on the screen. Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. That's what God wants from you. Not rivers of olive oil or don't want you. You don't have to kill any more animals. Please don't kill any animals for God. He's not into that. Shoot your neighbor's dog. Hey, sacrifice for my sin, buddy. Don't do it. Don't do it. He wants you to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly. Now, as I read things like this in the New Testament, I mean, in the uh, in the Scripture, this is the Old Testament. Sometimes. I, I, you know, these words don't really resonate with me. Because who says, brother, today I plan on doing justly. No one says that, right? No one talks that way. You just really love mercy, don't you, sister? I mean, that's not how we talk. So I've come up, this is the not King Jamie version of Micah 6a. These are the three things God wants from you. One, do the right thing. Two, don't be a jerk. And three, get over yourself. All right, that's what God wants from you. This is in our vernacular, okay? Don't do the right thing. Don't be a jerk and get over yourself. And those are the three things that we're going to be talking about as we do this short series called What Do You Want From Me? So the first one we're going to talk about is do the right thing. Do the right thing. Um, You know, We are called to do the right thing. We're called to do the right thing all the time. We're called to do the right thing no matter where we are. We're called to do the right thing not based on what everyone else is doing. Well, they don't do the right thing. Well, you still got to do the right thing. So we aren't absolved from doing the right thing because someone else doesn't do the right thing. Doing the right thing also means, now this is going to be a stretch. Hang with me, okay? Doing the right thing also means that you don't do the wrong thing. I, I had a situation yesterday. I was meeting someone uh, for coffee downtown, and um, and downtown on Saturdays is just packed. If you haven't been, it's awesome. I'm so glad that our, our town is 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 thriving. But parking is getting bad. I hear they're doing a parking deck soon, which is great. 
Um, and so I parked, I'm, I'm, coming, I'm coming down the road, and before I hit the main drag, there's this awesome space right in front of Subway, you know, the Subway that's downtown. So I'm like, yes, I got a space, woohoo! So I get out, and I look up, and there's a sign on the side of the building that says, parking for Subway customers only. Everyone else will be towed. Now, here's the thing. My first thought was, they're not going to tow me. I have never seen a tow truck in downtown Thomasville towing someone. The second thing, uh, this is, I'm not bragging, this is bad. I'm just being honest with you guys. Second thing I thought is, no one cares about your stupid subway shop. Everyone wants to get to downtown. It's no big deal. Why do you care? I mean, I'm having this moment, right? And the Holy Spirit convicts me and says, "Um, you remember what you're preaching tomorrow? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) I got to do the right thing. I got to do the right thing. And so I get back in my car, really annoying. Back out, takes forever to even back out because the traffic light's backed up. Go around the corner, find a space way down in Cairo, And walk, you know, was late, a few minutes late. But it was a good reminder to me, look, we want to be the exception to doing the right thing, don't we? We do. All of us do. And we have these excuses. But God is saying, look, do you want to make me happy? You want to know what I want from you? It's not the latest YouTube teaching. It's not that people, 30 people follow you on Instagram. It's none of that. I want you to do the right thing. I just want you to do it all the time no matter what everyone else is doing. So how do we do the right thing? How do we do the right thing? Here's the first way. The first way that we do the right thing is we do what God says. Now, God is always right. So if we do what God says, we will also be right. Does that make sense? So we got to do the right thing. 2 Timothy 3.16, all right? It says that the word of God is good for instruction in righteousness. It's good for instruction in righteousness. It lists a bunch of other things. But it's good for instruction in righteousness. If you want to know how to do the right thing, you do what the word says. Right? I mean, it's, guys, it's so simple. God loves us so much, and he knows how boneheaded we can be sometimes. He actually wrote it down for us. It's like, oh, I forgot, Lord. I, can I punch my neighbor in the face? I, I, oh, it was written down. You can't do that. Hey, Lord, that guy just cut me off in traffic. I, I want to kill him. Can I kill him? Let me look. You wrote it down. Oh, you can't murder. Okay. Have you ever, have you ever had someone telling you something? And I probably said this to you at some point. But you're like, hey, can we do X, Y, and Z? Or will you check on this for me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you something. I'm going to say, hey, can you text that to me? Because I, I, I just I don't remember. I'm like, can you text that to me or email that to me? And that way I've got it in writing. That's what God did. He said, hey, here's the right thing to do, and I'm going to text it to you, all right? Thou shalt not murder, okay? Just in case you forget. So he wrote it down for us. So we've got to do what God says to do. We've got to obey the word. We've got to obey the word. Just just do it. And, And we have a million excuses. Well, I'm in a little bit different situation, Lord, than what your word says to do. Look, just do the word. Just do the word. Just submit, yield, and say, look, this is uncomfortable for me. I don't even understand why. Do it anyway. Why? Because he's God. 
He knows what's right for you. And I'll give you a secret. He never tells you to do something that, that, that will permanently harm you or hurt you spiritually. He only tells you to do things. He might make you uncomfortable. But he'll only tell you to do things that help you in the long run. Amen. So do what God says. Here's, here's the next thing you do. Do what God does. Don't just do what God says to do through the written word. Actually, do what God does. I've got several verses up here. John 13, 35 says that they will know that we are followers of Jesus by our love. By our love. We love because God loved, right? And so we've, in order to do what God does, in order to do the right thing, if you're wondering what is the right thing, what, was, what does love require of you? What would love do in this situation? Now, the way I like to define love is love does what's best for the Oh, it's catching on. Y'all are getting it. Love does what's best for the other person, okay? So if you're trying to figure out what should I do about my, my daughter, what should I do about my spouse, what should I do about my boss, what should I do about the situation in my neighborhood, love does what's best for the other person. Sometimes that's a hug. Sometimes that's a push. Sometimes someone's broken, and they need you there to love them and show mercy. Sometimes someone's standing on a railroad track and the train's about to hit them and you need to push them because that's what's best for them. And so, so when we do what God does, we love like God loves. The other thing we see here is Colossians 3.13. Let's just, this is so good we got to turn here. Colossians chapter 3 verse 13. You're going to like this. It says, make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. What about that guy? Who, oh, him too. Yep. What about the time when they, they, they've done it five times in a row? Oh, you got to forgive them. It doesn't mean you allow them to continue to roll over you because that's not what love would do. Love would help save them from themselves and put up a boundary. Do you follow? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. God is the ultimate forgiver. He's really good at it. So if we want to do the right thing, we've got to do what God does. We've got to forgive as well. It doesn't, it doesn't mean it feels good. It doesn't mean you want to. And it doesn't mean when you forgive someone that you're okay with what they did to you. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you know a better judge. You know a better judge. And you're going to trust that the Lord is going to take care of you as you let go of that situation. So we love, we forgive. Here's another one. We help others. We help others. Now, this is what most people think about when they hear the word do justice or act justly. We help others. Turn to 1 John chapter 3, and that is, in fact, the heart of God. 1 John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 It says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, because if you don't do this, you're acting like a child. Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. It's kind of hard, isn't it? I love that he says little children. If I have to tell you that you've got to treat people right, be compassionate, give, help, then that means you're still a child spiritually. That's what he's saying. 
Now, here's the deal. There's a lot of talk about social justice and a lot of talk about doing what's right for people. And, and look, in case there's any question, God is always in favor of helping people. Amen. That's, that's just not up for debate. God is always in favor of helping people. But let me just kind of push you a little bit on this. God has instructed you to help people. Now, you know, we're in a politically charged environment and, and, and you've got, you know, some groups that are, that are you know, politicizing helping the poor and, and you've got other groups that say that they love God and they're not acting like God because they're not helping the poor. Let, let, me just, let me just add some balance, hopefully, to all this. Okay? God tells you to help others, not for the government to help others. You can't vote in a politician and think that you fulfilled the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't vote in people that are compassionate and help others. But it just means don't wash your hands of this scripture because you think, look at me, I voted for the right person. God didn't say vote people into office that show compassion. It doesn't say that. It says you do it. Don't think that you fulfilled this command just because of who you voted for. You voted for an imperfect man or woman who's going to screw it up. You do the work of the ministry. You help the poor. You do justice. You look out for the disenfranchised. You look out for those who are hurting, who are lost, who need mercy shown. You do it. That's why we have a food pantry. That's why we fed over 11,000 meals last year as a church, and we're on track to, to beat it this year. That's why we do those things. That's why we have every intention of this year opening up a closed closet where we can uh, either give, I don't know if we're going to give away, if we're going to charge like, like tiny amounts or what. I don't know how we're going to do it yet. But we're going to do a closed closet. We're going to help people. Why? Because I don't trust the government to do what God tells me to do. Again, I'm not saying you don't vote for the people that, 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 you know, your conscience, but come on. Don't subcontract out the kingdom of God to the government. They're just going to mess it up. You do it. You do the right thing. Amen? So we do what God says. We do what God does. We also do what we say we will. Just do what you say you're going to do. That's how you do the right thing. It's just basic Integrity. Matthew 5, 37, Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then he says something, most people, you probably heard that before, let your yes be yes, your no be no. He's talking about oaths and vows, and there, there used to be a thing, it's kind of like saying, I swear to God, I'll do it. I swear to God, I'll be there at 5 p.m. And so he was like, look, <laughs> don't swear an oath on yourself, on God, on your ancestors. Just let your yes be yes. And your no be no. And then he says something. Check out. Make sure that I'm not lying. He says, anything else is from the evil one. Anything other than you keeping your word is from Satan. So next time someone's late, say, you're being satanic. Right, don't, don't do that. That's not, the way, that's not the way to win friends and influence people. They will probably get mad at you. But yeah, I mean, look. Guys, and the church is just filled with people and with good intentions. And I've done it. We've all done it. So this is not, I'm not like hurling judgment at you. I'm saying we can do better. 
You know, look, if, if you sign up to serve, first of all, you need to sign up to serve in some way. If you're not serving, what are you doing? What's your, is life about you? No, it's not about you. Do something else, right? We have many opportunities to serve here. But if you sign up to serve and you're supposed to be here at a certain time, guess what time you should be there? That time. Yeah, that time, right? Now, are there exceptions? Sure. Do things happen? Absolutely. There's grace. That's what grace is for. Grace is for when there's an exception. But grace is not for rebellion. I mean, eventually, you just, by accident, might be on time. Right? Some people, it's like, wow, you're on time? Goodness gracious. Lord, are you coming back right now? Right? Look, we need to be people of integrity. The world, give you, give you, the world is looking for the church to not just be the mouth that it is. Not just say the, the things that, well, God says this, God. The, 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 the world is looking for a church, and they will gladly join up with and be a part of a church that does what they say they're going to do. And we've got to have integrity. We've got to do the right thing. Proverbs 10.9. Proverbs 10.9 is a great verse about integrity. There are lots of them. In, uh, in Scripture, especially in Proverbs. It says this, People with integrity walk safely, but those who follow crooked paths will be exposed. People who walk with integrity follow safety. Look, if you, don't, if you want a safe, if, if, if you want to live life with the least amount of, of, of possibility of calamity, one of the keys to that is being a person of integrity. Do what you say you're going to do. If you can't do it, just say, Hey, I'm sorry, I can't do that. But don't say you can do it and then not show up at the last minute. Right? I mean, I know this is basic stuff, but come on. This is, this is doing the right thing. We're asking, God, what do you want from me? He doesn't want you to be the best singer when, when we sing our worship songs in the morning. Right? He, he doesn't need that from you. He's got angels for worship. I mean, he wants your worship. But what does he really want? You want to worship him? Worship him with your integrity. Just show up when you say you're going to show up. If you're going to be late, call. Right? Just basic stuff. Basic stuff. So I want to show you really quickly as I, as I wind down two things, two, two ways, two benefits of us doing the right thing. All right? Here, here's, here's, first, God gets the glory, and second, you get blessed. God gets the glory when we do the right thing, and you get blessed when you do the right thing. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Both of these Verses are, are in this chapter here. Matthew chapter 5. First, uh, we'll look at verse 16. It says, in the same way, it's talking about, this is the verse where he's talking about, you know, a, a lighting a, a light in a dark house. In the same way, just like a flame lights up a house, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise you. No. So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. See, when the church does what the church is supposed to do, God gets glory. When the church acts the way that God has asked us to act, God gets glory. Right? How many of you want to give God glory? How many of you think that God is worthy of the glory? He's worthy of all praise. Okay, then guess what? You get to do the right thing. Because doing the right thing, it says, let your good deeds, let your good deeds, not your halfway deeds, let your good deeds shine so that God gets the glory. Amen? Here's the other thing, Matthew chapter, um, chapter 5, same chapter, uh, verse 6. It says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst 
for justice or righteousness or doing the right thing. For they will be satisfied. Look, we've got to create in our lives the hunger. We've got to learn to crave justice. We've got to learn to crave to do the right thing. When we do that and we do the right thing, it says God blesses those who do that and they will be satisfied. The word here for bless, it literally means happy. It means you will be happy when you hunger for justice because you will be satisfied. God is looking for people who want to do the right thing and he will meet you right where you are and he'll bless your socks off, man. Amen. He'll do it. He'll do it. Now, we don't do the right thing because of what we get from it. We do the right thing because it's the right thing. Right? But there is a blessing that comes with it. There's a blessing that comes with doing the right thing. So here's my question to you this morning. Be honest. Do you do the right thing? Do you cut corners? You wait on someone else to do the right thing? It's too much, too much trouble? What about you? Come on, be honest. I can't answer the question. I'm not around you 24-7. I don't have cameras in your home. Thank God. (laughs) But come on, do you do the right thing? It's what God wants from you. God's not looking for this huge, massive sacrifice and be like super spiritual religious person. he, He just wants you to do the right thing. He just wants you to have integrity. He just wants you to do what he says and do what he does. He wants you to act justly. Or as one translation puts it, to do justice. He wants you to do the right thing. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up for prayer.